have a question for you. How did you sleep last night? Did you spend the night tossing and turning? Because I bet <laughs> a lot of you did, and certainly I do that often enough. And I'm one of those people who tosses and turns and feels uncomfortable and mushes my pillows into 5,000 formations trying to do whatever magical thing it is that's going to enable me to fall asleep. If you are struggling to get a good night's sleep, you might want to think about trying the purple mattress. The purple mattress will probably feel different than anything you've ever experienced because it uses this brand new material that was developed by an actual rocket scientist. It's not like the memory foam that you're used to. The purple material feels very unique because it's both firm and soft at the same time, so it keeps everything supported while still feeling really comfortable. Plus, it's breathable, so it sleeps cool. Purple offers a 100-night risk-free trial. If you're not fully satisfied, you can return your mattress for a full refund with free shipping and returns. Purple mattresses are backed by a 10-year warranty. You're going to love purple. And right now, listeners will get a free purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. That's in addition to the great free gifts they're offering site-wide. Just text BACKSTORY to 84-888. The only way to get this free pillow is to text BACKSTORY to 84-888. That's B-A-C-K-S-T-O-R-Y to 84888. Message and data rates may apply. Many religious Jewish boys and girls know what the number 13 means. It means they become an adult in the eyes of a Jewish congregation. The main event at a bar mitzvah for boys or a bat mitzvah for girls is a reading from the Torah chanted in Hebrew. Brian previously spoke to Megan Dwyer Ryan, the archivist for nearly a decade at historic Boston Synagogue Temple Israel. It's the largest reform congregation in New England, founded in 1854 by German-speaking Jews. Dwyer Ryan started by telling Brian about the challenges of preparing for a bar mitzvah in the mid-19th century. Boys would have bar mitzvah training in the home of the Hazan at the time, or the reader, and uh, both boys and girls attended religious school classes at the synagogue itself about three days a week. And they learned everything from um, uh, Hebrew and, uh, uh, you know, scripture, Jewish history, and, um, you know, various other kinds of topics. And they learned those uh, topics both in German and in English. But congregants at Temple Israel worried that their American-born kids would resent and even reject these old-world traditions. They were even more afraid that kids would reject Judaism altogether. So, like other Reformed synagogues in the U.S., they decided to Americanize some of their religious practices. They had sermons in English. They installed an organ, gasp, created a choir, and let men and women sit side by side rather than in separate sections. In 1874, Temple Israel hired a rabbi named Solomon Schindler, who made even more changes. And one of those measures was the discontinuation of bar mitzvah for boys. And instead— Hold on. What... I thought the bar mitzvah was such a big deal. How, how, <laughs> how could he touch—isn't that touching the 13th rail? It is to for for many Jews at the time. It it was um, you know it was a very controversial issue, and in fact, uh, the board of trustees was not too happy with Schindler when he made this executive decision to discontinue bar mitzvah. 
but um, they went along with it. Um, you know, they sort of voiced their huh. objections and then just kind of said, okay, well, go on, you know, continue. So it's not so wait, that- uh, wait, Megan, Megan, yes. who was the first kid that got denied a bar mitzvah? <laughs> I'm not sure, really. Um, what they did instead was they adopted a confirmation service. And I see. this was a practice that was open to both boys and girls. And it was kind of in line with other reform measures at the time. You know, many Jews decided that the way to Americanize was to adopt some, I guess you could call them Protestant kind of practices. And confirmation uh -huh. was one of those practices. And I just have to ask a little bit about this confirmation because I was bar mitzvahed and I had to do the Haftorah. Mm -hmm. And it was really hard. <laughs> to learn how to chant that passage from the Torah in Hebrew. Sure. With all of those very seriously observing Jewish people around me. Was there anything like that in the confirmation? I just want to make sure that these kids weren't getting off easy. <laughs> yeah, to disappoint you, yes, they were getting off easy. <laughs> oh, you Particularly see? in the late 19th and early 20th century. Um, one of the reasons why um, uh, you know, the, the congregation adopted confirmation was that they realized um, you know, fewer, fewer students, fewer children were learning Hebrew. Um, it wasn't considered... Uh, as important, particularly for Reformed Jews. Um, in fact, in the classical Reform period, um, you know, which had its height, again, late 19th, early 20th century, um, you know, many other branches of Judaism considered Reformed Jews to be Jews in name only. Um, and Temple Israel, you know, kind of adopted some of those practices that were questionable, to say the least, such as um, having services on Sundays as opposed to uh, Saturdays. <laughs> yes, that um, sounds somewhat questionable. <laughs> yeah. So when did they get back to doing bar mitzvahs, and why did that come about? Well, it, in many ways, uh, you know, they were among the wealthiest uh, Jews in the city, you know, the most Americanized Jews. They were the leaders in many ways. Um, you know, they were the German Jewish synagogue. But by the, uh, you know, into the 20s, 30s, and into the 40s, the membership was changing slightly. You had, uh, you know, Jews of Eastern European descent and more traditional backgrounds uh, joining the synagogue. Um, and in fact, one of the things that made Temple Israel sort of change back, um, you know, sort of the, the pendulum swinging back the other way was the hiring of Rabbi Joshua Loth Liebman. And so he brought back a lot of sort of uh, uh, traditions that were considered, uh, you know, more conservative in nature. So things like having, an, uh, uh, you know, a Friday evening Shabbat service, you know, he got rid of the Sunday service, um, having candles um, at services and bringing back the bar mitzvah. So in 1941, um, you know, bar mitzvah was again celebrated um, at Temple Israel. And um, he also, the previous year, made it mandatory for all students to learn Hebrew again. So... Um, you know, so so those practices were were back, and again, it, it was sort of in keeping with with you know trends in Reform Judaism. 
Um, and uh, uh, what was interesting, too, was um, they continued to perform the uh, confirmation service. Um, they kind of saw it as, you know, bar mitzvah would happen at age 13. Kids would keep going to school. You know, it was a way to sort of keep them going to, um, you know, to learn more about their faith. And then right. at age 16, they would have their confirmation service. Now, this is a period, if I understand correctly, that uh, girls started having bat mitzvahs in greater numbers. How does that square with the rabbi's emphasis on tradition? Yes. Or was it not the case <laughs> at Temple Israel? Temple Israel is actually fairly late in adopting the bat mitzvah ceremony. Um, the first bat mitzvah wasn't uh, or didn't happen until 1956, and there were uh -huh. three that year, whereas the first bat mitzvah in the United States occurred in 1922. So, uh, you know, so for Temple Israel, um, and, and by that point, it was just kind of seen as time. You know, it wasn't necessarily that it was controversial by that point. You know, girls just kind of, you know, they started doing it, and there really wasn't that much controversy by that point. I'm guessing the 13-year-olds and adults have a, a very different definition of what it means to be 13. Very much so. Um, yeah, for kids, I think they kind of go throughout their religious education, you know, preparing for and thinking about the bar bat mitzvah and thinking, oh, great, now I'm done. But for, you know, the rabbis, for the religious educators, they're thinking, nope, nope, this is just the beginning. So bar mitzvah, at least today, is less about becoming an adult and more about marking a very important transition. Yes, I'd say so. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it certainly, I don't think anybody would, would call a 13-year-old an adult. Um, they would. They would, yes, they would. Um, but uh, yeah, and, and I think, you know, these, these are kids. And for them, I think it's an important milestone, but it also means a really great party. <laughs> Megan, I have to tell you that when I was bar mitzvahed for a boy, the pen and pencil set <laughs> was very much the thing. What is the quintessential bar or bat mitzvah gift these days? I'd have to say money <laughs> at this point. <laughs> Always in style. I'm sure they rush out and buy a pen and pencil. Oh, set. of course. Yes. <laughs> or maybe a computer or an iPad. <laughs> <laughs> Megan Dwyer Ryan is co-author with Susan Porter and Lisa Fagan Davis of Becoming American Jews. Temple Israel of Boston. <laughs>